2: Let's face
3: it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It's Sunday, June 28th, the season finale episode of Let's yes. Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We're your host, Will Strayhorn
2: and Alicia
3: Brown. Alicia, you haven't gotten any quicker with that at all. I don't understand. Oh, <laughs> how, goodness. how was your. I'm uh, tried, but, but it always
2: comes out the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: God, not God with bless you. your heart, sugar. God bless <laughs> your heart. How, how was your weekend, baby?
2: Oh, okay, now you go going to ask me how my weekend. You know what? I ain't messing with how you. But anyway,
3: <laughs> are
2: you
0: sitting
2: now? Are you sitting now? Ooh, guess why.
4: what? Guess oh, what? Oh, my God. pregnant. <laughs> Are
2: you pregnant? Okay, <laughs> you know you what? Pregnant? I, Oh, my God. Are you pregnant? <laughs> no. Get, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't guess. You you shouldn't um, guess, so I'm just going to tell
3: Oh, I was you. so happy. I was so happy. You Okay, what is
2: it? Okay, well, maybe that announcement will be some other time, but it will not be tonight. <laughs> okay, anyway.
0: <laughs>
3: okay. All right.
2: And it is Sunday, okay? But anyway. Okay. And this <laughs> announcement does pertain to it being Sunday.
3: For the okay. first time
2: in the history of most of my years on the earth, you know, except for that one okay. time I couldn't sleep and you know daylight savings time messed me all up, and my, you know before church plans were canceled, I actually moved uh-huh. to church on time.
4: Uh,
2: on time, like all the late church people say, "Amen." I was on time. Thank you, Lord. Girl. I was on time. Is that what you got me?
3: On- Is that what you got me excited for?
2: Wait a minute. This is a big announcement, okay? This is a very big announcement. I am so proud of myself. I do not have to interrupt scheduled programming. Oh, Lord (laughs) Jesus. Well, it's important to me, okay? So I'm going to make a commitment to be at church on time all the time. So I am just so, so, so happy. But anywho, how
3: was your weekend, Will? Girl, I can't get over this. Okay. I I like the better (laughs) pregnant. But okay. Um, my weekend, <laughs> you know, my weekend. has been pretty much, you know, it was good. I I, I did a couple of we- weddings this weekend. Um, I, I moved into my new place, loving my new place. All um, right. going through slowly, but I'm I'm progressing pretty well. Um, getting okay. adjusted to things. So, um, you know, looking forward to the future. Have a what? What's
2: up? No, you you said something about weekends and bridal stuff, so I had to. Yeah. Um, You remember when we met yesterday at Let's Face the Studio and we were looking over your, you know, a couple of your recent bridal makeup artistry things? Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, you know, you the man because I saw a few people that I know and I've seen walk around <laughs> every day. I did not recognize them after <laughs> you were finished. I mean, hey, it's not that that's... they were ugly because they're not ugly people. But, you know, I just took for granted how, yeah. you know, in, in, in the hands of a, you know, a talented artist, yeah. the difference that makeup makes.
0: Hey, but you know, there's it's one. Called a transformation. I transformation.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it was because I didn't recognize them at all. If you didn't, if I didn't mm-hmm. see the a picture, I wouldn't have known. So good work. All right. But, all right. Thank, you. Um, Thank you. How can I say this tactfully? We had an interesting. Com- okay. All right then. Well, you know, it was an interesting <laughs> conversation about bronzer and. Um, oh
3: right, right.
2: Some of the places where you. Oh, I know it. what
3: you're talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, because makeup is all about illusion, all about illusion when it comes to, and I, and I really learned back in the days when I was working with female impersonators, because everything that they do is about illusion. And then when I started working with pageants uh-huh. and stage performers, um, I can take you from a, a A cup to a double D with just using um, brown, brown or darker shades to create shadows, lighter shades to create highlights.
0: Wait a minute, um, yes.
3: It's all about illusion. Don't let me bring duct tape into the situation. I can sense your waist. Oh, I can give you a um, facelift. Um, I can do all of that oh, stuff it, with makeup and you, just a we, few household need we, we need to talk
2: offline. We need to talk. See, we need to have a yeah. point. See, you didn't tell me all that. We need to talk offline. But, um, oh, yeah. Since, yeah. since you said that, Um. okay, taskfully again. Um. Mm. Okay, I, I didn't know about the, the, the bust. Bronzer thing, but like, suits, yeah. suit, mm-hmm. shoots. It are there any other weird places that you put bronzer and makeup and stuff?
3: Yeah, but I don't know if I can see it on the show. I'll have, I'll have to send you some pictures. Okay, I, actually, uh-huh. I have some pictures that I can oh, send you. Uh, yeah, okay. it's in my contract, it's in my contract, my agreement. I like to call it an agreement with all my clients so that I have use of um, all images. So I normally don't, you know, I don't wait for the bride to send me pictures because I normally don't get them. But I take my camera phone in there or I take my, my oh. Sony camera in there, and I get pictures of everything wait, that wait, I'm wait. doing.
2: Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. uh uh-huh. uh-huh. Now, you know I love you, and you know I trust you more love than you. most people. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, yeah, woo woo Woo-woo-woo, but <laughs> we have a award show in the month of November, and you said that you yes, were styling mm-hmm. me. Um, yes, going to ready have to come it? to Jesus though. No we're
3: not. to come to
2: Jesus for we do all You've already given
3: me a, you've already signed my contract.
2: See, but I didn't know. The contract didn't say that. All I need to do is show up. Oh see no. It's it's it. It. Oh see no.
3: It's it's it. but, but, okay. but you know what? Because you said and I have it on tape, because you trust me so much uh-huh. you did read the contract.
2: Oh we're gonna cut Which this out. We're gonna we're gonna cut all this out. Yeah. I can see we going to edit this. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah,
3: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: okay. But okay. Exactly. But um, all I'm going to say is that you and the audience will be pleasantly surprised tonight with our guests. Um, and, you know, who knows, we may even have some special people calling in because it is our season finale show before heading Yay. into season two. Are you excited about that? I am really, I am. really, really excited about that.
2: I am. Yes. I am. Excited and scared um, at the same time. Excited
3: and well, I'm, scared. I'm not scared, but, you know, we had talked about our first episode being confessions. And it's a lot of yeah. things that, you know, both you and I, we talk all the time, a lot of things that God has really taken us through. And I really don't think we yeah. went through those situations for us to be the only people to benefit from it. So I'm praying so on a true. lot of things that I know that I was delivered from, that, you know, some things that I'm still going through. Um, and I'm just praying that I have the courage, number one, because once it's out there, it's out there. To um, be able to bless somebody with my test my full testimony. But confessions oh, is our—it's going to be our number one. Welcome back to the to the airways in August, and you know, oh, just to put this out there, we're looking for other people who want to come on to the show. If you have something that you were delivered from, something that you want to confess, because confession is good for the soul, they say. Um, Contact wait, wait, us dot com. Yeah.
2: Okay, when they contact us, when you say confessions, what type of confessions are you talking about? Because, you know, you like Maybe to go a little bit on the side of,
3: of dark. What is our know. motto? What, I'm going to have to get you to write 100 times on the chalkboard. No subject is ever taboo.
2: That's why I asked. Okay. That's
3: because why I asked. Because the stuff that I have to tell, the stuff that I'm praying on is going to blow You, you don't even know. If people in my own See, that's why I said
2: I'm scared, because you tell me a lot, so yeah. from what you already told me, yeah. you have something more than, oh, yeah. Lord, have mercy. Yeah,
3: confess. So does that mean I have to tell you I mean, something, too? If you're going to be on the show. You don't have to be on the show. Mm-mm. Make can do oh, your paperwork right now. Did he, <laughs> did he tell me that he
2: kicked me off? He kicked me off, but then he put me back on. He put me to work, then he, he kicked me off. But he always kicked me off, and yeah. then he'd bring me back. I don't understand this. I'm not feeling love.
0: You mm-hmm. know what?
2: I'm not feeling loved mm-hmm. at all. I'm just gonna I'm but, just I'm just gonna hit
3: mute.
5: <laughs> All right then.
3: But you, you know, know what, what? There was another moment. Another moment you had a blonde. I I I I always look at you I guess oh, through painted lenses because I thought you were one of the most intelligent Watch your delightful mouth. people that I have ever seen until <laughs> I delivered something to you yesterday
0: oh, that you know Lord. you have been waiting on. And Will, you were
3: like, I said, well, how did you? you no, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> I was like, I gave you our business cards. I gave you our business cards that I had yes, told you, you I had professionally designed, very nice, very expensive they are business very cards. Beautiful. Thank
0: Delivered you. Delivered so them
3: to you. And yes, you said, me. what? I said, I got a double sided card. I said, I got a double sided business card. No, you did not so, say um, that. Good, no, you good, did. good, good, good. Yes, I did. Do you want me to so print it on our, Do you want me to put it on our website?
2: I'll put it on our website. You can, it's but you did not tell I, me they, they were double them printed. Them you. No, you did. No, you did. You okay. did send it to me, but okay. you never, out of all the details we talked about, never you less. never told me they were double sided. No, you didn't.
3: Nevertheless, so no, wait a minute. You did tell them me double sided.
2: You told right. me they were double-sided. You did not say. See, okay, I know the listeners agree with me. When you say something double-sided, what does that mean? That means if the card says Alicia Brown on the other side when you flip it, what does it say? Alicia Brown. It the don't, listeners
3: no, it does agree. not. No, it does not. No, it does not. It, no, it does, does, it does not.
2: for normal people. It's you've, never, for
3: you. you've never, you. You've never seen flyers that have something on one side and something on the other side?
2: That's a flyer. That ain't no double. business card. There's, no, there's, ma'am.
3: No, ma'am, Pam. There, but no, okay,
2: there
3: is. okay. I'm not gonna argue about it. Not I gonna love argue you, Because I gave you the card, and you held it in <laughs> your hand. You said all these cards are yours. So no, no, I didn't say that. Half that. These, I said these are beautiful. You said half, these, <laughs> half the cards are yours, right? I
0: didn't you did say, not that. say that. I did say right. that. And I said, "What are you Let talking the about?" Amen. You said half these, these
3: cards. You said half <laughs> these cards are yours. <laughs> And I said, poor baby. You know, poor babe. She's having this shows how having we have a, a love-hate
2: relationship. This is why, yeah. right here. See, I know I'm so in right here. So you did you not
3: even think to flip the double-sided card over and see that both so call, that? both sides, one side has your information and Will, one side yeah. has mine. So you just had the. moment. You should have
2: explained that to me. You did not tell me that. That you did not say. Okay. And we went over everything okay. with this line. But you know what? I'm going to give you your props because you know what? The card truly, it it truly demonstrates the way everything went mm-hmm. to show, we are a team, we do this together. And you save the right, time when right, people are right. just like, you know, uh, do you have Will's business card? Baby, just flip it. There it goes. There go all his information. Uh-huh.
3: There you go. There you go.
2: And maybe they'll and call you and leave perfect. me alone. There you go. Thank uh-uh.
3: you. Then I'll forward them back you're
2: to so
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> you're so Oh, Lord. Yes.
2: You're so smart. You're so smart. But mm-hmm. anyway... You see, see. Another thing I learned this weekend, and you better be glad I like you. I learned that I don't what? have the power to fire you. I, 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 you know? I oh, know. I learned I cannot fire you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it'd be kind of hard. Like my They will stray horn, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be kind of hard to ink. fire you, but that's okay.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Well, you know what? I think this is the perfect time for us to talk about tonight's show. We're going to take the me. Oh, spot yeah, spot I'm excited. You. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? Like I told you last week, there were so many news stories in this area alone. And it's been that way for Ridiculous. like the past few weeks. The crime yeah, yeah. and the acts against children were just disgusting. And you know how mm-hmm. the media is. They can sensationalize a story or two. And then after the initial blitz, no one cares, no one does anything, um, regardless of how tragic it was. But the you know, the truth of the matter, the reality of the situation, it never goes away so there are so many of our youth that continue to go through this cycle of immense suffering abuse and it seems like the whole situation by a lot of people in the community is just being ignored and you know one of the worst things to me is every time you watch these stories typically at the end they'll interview people and the one thing they keep saying is you know I knew there was something wrong or, or, you know, I, I just felt like something wasn't right in that situation. But then no one, you know, that story always comes after the child is dead or after we're talking about what happened to the child. So tonight's episode is entitled, Who Will Protect Our Children? And, of course, right. with, let's face it, um, we wanted to put the spotlight on child abuse, but we also want to not only share an unbelievable story of a survivor, but we want to give you resources and tools of empowerment. And you know right. I understand with marketing, I understand with storytelling, uh crafting your story, you want to get people's attention, you want to pull at their heartstrings and in, in order to bring that awareness. But if you don't empower them and inform them what they can do about it, then you really didn't right. do anything. So, you know, true to our show mission, true to the title we are going to end Season 1 by facing the real story of child abuse. And instead of um, protecting our children, how too often we may knowingly, um, some of us knowingly, and then others unknowingly, create a breeding ground for predators to harm our children.
3: Right.
2: So, and, very you know, important. before
3: we go to commercial, very important, Exactly. But before we go to commercial and return with our first guest, I just want to remind everyone that the phone lines are open because you're going to hear some information. Like Alicia said, a lot of things are going on in the news now. You turn it on, even on your smartphones, you're getting alerts. Um, I got an Amber alert the other day. Uh, This loud noise coming through my cell phone, I didn't know what it was, but just letting me know about um, a a child in danger. Um, Uh. So the phone lines are open just just in case you want to call in. Um, the phone number seven one three nine five five zero seven nine three. 713-955-0793. If you want to speak, you can call that number and listen to the show, but you can also press 1, and that will actually alert us that you want to ask a question, or perhaps you have a comment to for Alicia and myself or for our guests. So you can also listen to us on TuneIn, iTunes, and Stitcher. So we're going to go ahead and really quick, um, before we invite our first guest, Feliz, Feliz, what is it, Phyllis T. Ford? Yes who has an unbelievable story of her experience with yeah. a child predator who started abusing her at the age of seven. She suffered yeah. 14 years of abuse at his hands along with her, her other three siblings and many other children that were actually in the neighborhood. So, you know, you, you'll probably have questions and comments um, for the guest. So we invite you to call in if, we, if, you, have, if you have any questions. Or any comments, or perhaps you even have a story that you want to share. Um, tonight is that night to go ahead and call in. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, the number is 713 955 0793 and press 1 to be live on the air. So you're listening to Let's Face It, and we'll be right back. <laughs> a single man under the age of 35 you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an
0: online dating site a guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving see that could cost you around ten thousand dollars in fines legal fees and increased insurance rates and doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just
4: scream
2: mr. right buzzed busted and broke because buzz driving is drunk driving a message from the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council
1: Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser.
5: Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke.
0: In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn
5: today... The only thing I didn't learn... is why no one ever helps. Kids
0: witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Former club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs.
3: Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door. A door that gives them a place to grow, to learn,
2: to belong. A place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here.
3: To learn how you can support your local boys and girls clubs, visit greatfutures.org.
2: Welcome back to Let's Face It in our Season 1 finale episode entitled Who Will Protect Our Children? You know, there's so much that goes into us crafting each show and definitely trying to match the right topic with the right guests, and that's a constant challenge. You know, and then there's those one in a million guests that have a testimony that's so phenomenal that you can only thank God for bringing the two of you together. And honestly, there were so many people that we were looking at for experts to bring on the show for this topic and one way or another, it didn't work out. I remember it was one thirty in the morning, and I said, God, whoever it's going to be, just show me this person. And then it was like the idea came in my head to, to go on Amazon and search for an author on this topic. But, Will, you know, I said I want yeah. something that was different. I didn't want that same old right. story, you know, not saying that, you know, as tragic right. as it is. I want a fresh perspective, you know, someone that wasn't just saying, you know, I went through this and, and I you know, I'm on drugs, I'm on this, and this is how my life is horrible. But I just wanted someone with something that talked about how this happened um, and really just had a different perspective and look at it. So long story short, found this author, read one of her books, because she has several books, read one book Mm -hmm. description and said, That is the person for this show, and reached out to her probably at 2 o'clock in the morning. And while I woke up the next morning by 5.30, she had responded with a yes. Um, So Mm -hmm. what I want to tell listeners is this. Um, She is going to give away one of her books on the show, and she'll explain that uh, giveaway to you later. Um, Trust me, you're going to want to be in the running for that gift. But I want to introduce you to a woman that I'm going to ask you first to prepare your heart, your mind, body, and spirit for what she has to share. Um, because over the years, I've worked with people who have had horrific trauma, um, especially in the area of childhood abuse. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot. You know, every time you hear of a story, even if it's not identical to yours, it can just trigger certain things. Um, and then for others, I know that. After you hear her story, you're going to have a desire uh, to know what you can do immediately to make a difference and protect our children. And for both sides, what I'm going to tell you is that this entire episode is not just meant to touch your heart, but it's also meant to empower you with the tools where you can actually make the difference. And we will provide that towards the end of the show. There will be 24-hour resources. There is training, there's abuse prevention, and restoration services that are available. And, again, we're we're honored to have the platform to share this with you. So now I want to welcome the Let's Face It author Phyllis T. Forrest, who when I asked her, why are you doing this? Definitely we're going to give her applause. When I asked her, why yes, are you doing yes, yes. this? What she said to me is, "This is my calling. That is what God has destined me to do." And she said that I know God left me too whole to not share my testimony. Phyllis, wow. how are you this evening?
5: I'm doing fabulous. How are you guys? We're great.
3: Great, great. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so and much. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. You
2: You're know. Welcome. Phyllis, we had a sensitive phone conversation, and I literally did not want to get off the phone with you. You know, I was so inspired by you. I was encouraged by the things you shared um, and definitely felt confirmation in my own life to strive professionally to continue to share my testimony and bring that healing and restoration to others. And there are so many questions to ask you. But first, I just want to take the first few minutes for you to tell our listeners who author Phyllis T. Forrest is as it relates to child abuse and child predators, um, as far as your testimony?
5: I am a mother, I'm a grandmother, I am a hairstylist, and I am a child sexual abuse survivor. I don't consider myself a victim. I am a survivor. What my Amen. Was, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, I basically sat down and actually wrote my book because I realized that I had some incredible information that all this time I never realized as a child I picked up on. It's something that evolved in me as I got older, and I was able to tell my story and tell it in an educational sense. So anyone who reads my book will. explain, understand exactly what he did and exactly how he does it. And I wanted to explain how the manipulation works. Wow. And,
2: you know, that's something when I was looking, when I just looked at the topic of child abuse, I didn't see books like that. You know, I always hear of what happened to the person, but I didn't see any books where someone had really broken down what the predator did. Um, And that's really important because, You know, like we were talking earlier, there were so many cases in the news and um, these horrific acts that happened to children, and you just wonder how in the world does this happen? You know, know, there wasn't a a community person that noticed something was wrong, and everybody keeps saying, you know, I knew something was wrong. But no one is doing anything about it. Um, So for you to have a story where you're talking about the tactics the predator used, you know, that that's really different, and that's really vital because people need to know how does this happen and what to look for to prevent it from happening to another child. But we, we said earlier in the show, you were seven when this first happened?
5: Mm-hmm. Yes, he came into my life when I was seven years old. Basically, the reason why I felt the need to tell my story was because it was done so differently than usual. It wasn't a situation where this was my mom's boyfriend or someone she was dating or married to. It was someone who purposely placed himself in my life because he saw me first, strategized to meet my mother, and befriended her to get to me. Mm. And, And because... And because of that, I did have uh, two older sisters and a brother, and he molested us all, all four of us. Right
4: in
5: wow. my mother's so. nose, right in her house, and she at one time didn't have a clue. Wow. I personally, I personally think that it happens because people have a tendency of not giving children information that they need. Um, I have to admit I was totally clueless um, Of what to tell My The way that I went about telling At seven years old was Once this man was allowed To be in my home Without my mom being there Because he At one time started to be our caregiver Because my mom she worked two jobs Or either she had a day job And she went to school When she would let us know that when he was there That we were allowed to go outside mm-hmm. But every time once my mom would leave She would make me come inside the house And I would get upset about it So I didn't know to tell my mom That he was touching on me, rubbing on me, kissing on me, feeling on me But I did always mm-hmm. explain that every time she left He would make me come home In my seven-year-old mind That was what was important to me was that I was not allowed to stay outside with my friends. My mom questioned why I had to come in the house every time she left, but she didn't. Because Mm -hmm. one one of the tactics that he used was that he would tell her that I was doing something outside, I was acting up, I was mouthing off, and he made me come in the house because of that, which was not true. Now, once he Mm -hmm. made me come in the house and I got upset, I did get mouthing. but that he just but it, that wasn't the reason why I was in the house. Mm-hmm. And
4: mm-hmm.
5: one of my my one of the um, rules that I wrote in my book was, you know, back in at that time, your oldest sister she was the one who was in charge of you once your mom left. She was her she was your mom's eyes. So anything right. that the oldest sister had a problem with that was going on with the younger kids, she would let the mother know. That was my older sister's job. Well, my older sister did start telling my mom that there was a problem. She always made me come in the house. He was too preoccupied with me. She didn't like it. She felt uncomfortable. And eventually, even though that was the way that my mom always did things, she changed up when it came to him and told her to stay in a child's place. So she was no longer listening to my older sister when she was trying to tell her How she felt about What he was doing So that was one of her big mistakes
3: So there were never other people Other close relatives that had any idea That he was doing this to you And to other people At all Well
5: I don't think that They necessarily thought that um, He was doing anything like that to me But I think that Mm. The that they got for him They didn't like him and they were questioning why he was so preoccupied with me. Why was I with him? Who was this man? They were bringing it to my mom's attention. But my mother was the type that she felt like she knew everything and no one could tell her what to do with her kids or her household. So with her becoming combative with them, they stopped seeing anything, and then they stopped coming around because of her attitude and the fact that he didn't like it. They didn't like him, so now we were in this little, or uh, this little bubble with just him around, with no outside eyes to say anything because right. he had much ran everybody away.
0: Mm. Right,
5: right, right. But I did have, I, I did, um, I did have an aunt, um, and other people who did say something to my mom, and she wasn't listening. That was one. Of the, that's one of the the main points that I make in my my book through a child's eyes. Also, is to listen to the people in your circle who you know care about you and have your best interest at heart.
3: Because and where was your where was your father in all this?
5: My my dad was never in my life. I met him one, once when I was like nine years old when I went to stay with my grandmother in Aiken, South Carolina. Oh, okay. um, but other than that, he was not around.
3: Okay. Now I know also one thing one of the things that you shared in your book I'm sorry. Is mm-hmm. is that you had three children by him. Did he molest any of them at all? My
5: I, I was pregnant by him three times. My um my mom got me an abortion the the first time I got pregnant when I was fourteen years old. That was one of the what I like to say, I can't honestly say that from the age of seven to 14 that my mom really knew what was going on. Um, but definitely I could say when he got me pregnant when I was 14 years old, she knew after that point. And at that point also, that is when my sisters also spoke up um, because he tried to make it seem like that me and him was in this relationship and that mm-hmm. we were having sex and made it seem more so, like a boyfriend girlfriend thing,
0: yeah, but and my
5: mm-hmm. mom, and my mom never asked me how I felt or what i I thought about it, or where my what my position was, so she took his word for it, and I'm telling her mom, I hate him, I don't want to go with him. She wasn't listening to me because he made her feel like we were in this relationship now, mind you now, this man is eleven years older than me. So even at the age mm-hmm. 14, it was still illegal for him to have a relationship with me, even if that wasn't mm. true. So at this time, because my mother was still drinking his Kool-Aid, as my sister is like to mm-hmm. say, my <laughs> sister at that point spoke up in, in, in my brother and let her know that he had also has been molesting him so she would get the full picture. Some kind of way, she still ignored that and accepted that we were in a relationship. Maybe it was easier for her to put wrap her mind around how she didn't see it. Yeah. I, I
3: can't really. So a, I
5: can't really speak of what she was thinking at the time.
3: I'm a little curious. Was she a younger mom? About how old was she when no, all this was going on? Was she a younger mom? Um, when we met him at when I was
5: seven years old. Um, my mother was, like, 25, and he was 19. Okay. She okay. didn't have a lot okay. of family support because I only had, like, maybe uh, one aunt down here. And he came at a time when my mom had gotten in a little trouble with protective service because we were being left at home by ourselves. Now, just think mm. about it, about back in the 70s where your older sister was your babysitter. If you was 7 right. and she was 11, you had an 11-year-old babysitter. That's the way it was. And we did pretty good staying home by ourselves. I mean, we followed our mom's rules or whatever, but someone reported her. So when she came home from school that night, we were gone. We were taken away from her. So he came in our life at a time when she was trying to get herself together, trying to go to school, trying right. to work, but not having... Uh, actual caregiver for us And that was one of their requirements Was at that time that she had a proper Caregiver for us He came Mm -hmm. along He was young He was clean cut He was Bible toting. He could quote the Bible back and forth um, Back and forth
0: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, He seemed like a nice guy He was 19 He was grown but he was still like a kid to her But old enough to be at home Where there wasn't a problem and she allowed him to infiltrate our home that way. Mm-hmm.
3: So, with the things that you've written, mm-hmm. I'm a little curious. How do you, your family and your long-term friends, and especially your mom, how do they feel about the things that you've shared and, and revealed in your book?
5: Well, being that I didn't write under a secret name, and I actually wrote mm-hmm. in my name, I asked mm-hmm. the permission of my two sisters, my brother. My daughter, and for one second, let me I'll say this because I didn't answer your question. I was pregnant by him three times. I had an abortion when I was 14, but I did have two children, living children by him. I didn't answer that question when you asked me earlier. Okay. Um, so I did have to tell, um, ask my two daughters, my sisters, and I asked my mother, only because once I wrote this book, they would be... They, you know, they, their story will also come out, and they will be recognized because of me. They all gave me their blessings; never had a problem with it, um, except my mother. Once I wrote the book, she stopped talking to me. Um, I haven't spoken to my mother in like three years because oh, she really? had a problem. Yes, yeah, she had a problem with the book. And my daughter brought something up to, um, brought something to my attention at the time when um, after she was editing the book. And she said to me that I didn't think of that it was possible possibility that my mother gave me her permission not really accepting what she had done. So now that I've, I've written this book and she sees really what she did and how she looks, she got upset with me about the book.
0: Hmm. And probably oh, not even
3: wow. thinking that you were you were really follow through with it. Pardon me. So she probably even didn't even think that you would follow through with it when you asked for her permission. So and then you know once
5: mm-hmm. you really
3: did come out with a boat, the book, the tape was probably flipped, and she was she she didn't like it too much. Right, right, and, well.
5: and, and mm-hmm. the thing about uh, the the thing was is that um, once we all came out of this situation. We made a conscious choice to stay a family and not let it rip us apart and so one of the things that me and my sister and my brothers we made a conscious choice to forgive her without explanation, without an apology. We just wanted our family back, so this kind of was like a slap in the face for me for me to write um this book after all that time because. I got out of the situation when I was probably, like, 20, 21. I didn't write the book until I was maybe um, 47, 48. So mm-hmm. that was I was, And I wrote the book to maybe possibly help other young mothers, other mothers pay attention to some of the signs that they should Keep, they should always keep in mind when they bring a stranger into their home. So I wrote it for someone to learn from our situation. She took it right. as though I a a Mommy Dearest book, like I was bashing her, and I, and that wasn't the purpose of my book. She took it
3: as so a personal t- attack on her.
5: Yeah, she took it as a personal attack on her. Hmm. But for that reason. I thought I felt that we were all past this, we were all grown, we have all got out here and made life for ourselves and we was free.
2: But you know, I think it's something about it being in print. It's it you know, you can know what you did and it's great when it's a secret and it's just between the family. But when it's in print and there's just going to be some questions that result from that story, it makes you relive it again. Mm-hmm. So I, wow, I I, I sympathize with all of you. But, you know, one of the things you talked about in your book were the strategy of a predator. So if you don't mind, if you could share with our listeners a few of those strategies. I mean, how did he find his way with the children? And, and what, how did he, how was he able to connect with the parents and authority figures in a way that made it so easy for him to molest, I think you said, multiple children in the community. It wasn't just your family, but it was other children, you know, whole families of children, and and this was just common.
5: Yes. Um, Well, at the time when he was, when he had infiltrated our family, he had infiltrated like three other families, and there may be a total of maybe maybe about 10 or 11 children. But there was other children that he also had connected with their moms that he was bringing around. So I would say at the time when I was going through my nightmare, it possibly was a total of maybe about 15 children that he was sexually arrested. Wow. Yes. And one, one of his manipulations was to... Get to know the mother and use her worst traits against her. Um, what I mean is my mom was the type that had a lot of pride. She felt that she knew everything and that she was on a higher level than everyone. So he said he her ego. You know, he always was saying, telling her how smart she was, how intelligent she was, how um, she was a single mother out here doing her thing, and he respected her for that. And any way that he could help, he would. If she needed a babysitter, he would. Didn't have a problem with watching us because he wanted her to accomplish her goal, and that was to educate herself. Um, so that that so with uh, with that, she felt that she had someone having her back so she used so and he constantly used that but on the other side of it when when he would get me by myself he would talk about how stupid she was how she um felt like she knew everything you couldn't tell her nothing and then he would call her a dummy and say well she doesn't see what's happening right in front of her face and things like that now at this point also one of his manipulations was to Turn us all against each other, um have us to the point where we didn't trust each other enough to go to each other and tell each other what was going on. so one thing that he knew about me was that I absolutely adored my mother, so what he did, he spent years of breaking that bond between us, and he would do that by getting me in trouble, getting her to purposely side with him come back to me and say, see, I told you I can get you in trouble anytime I want to. She believes me over you. She doesn't love you. I'm the one who loves you, things like that. And over the years of doing that constantly, 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 we lost a lot of respect for my mother. Mm -hmm. So after a while, we got to the point where we, we didn't say anything to her. We didn't have a relationship with her. He totally occupied our whole family to the point where he got to pick and choose between any of us who he was going to take home with us. Mm. I'm sorry, take home with him. Um, You asked me about some of his tactics that he used. One of the things that he did was back in the 70s and the 80s, children played outside, Mm -hmm. and he would walk the streets and he would find a street that had a lot of children on it, and he would go on that street and he would play whatever game they were playing, two square, dodgeball, baseball, whatever. And at this time, mothers sat on their their porches and watched the kids. When the ice cream Mm -hmm. came around, he would buy everybody on the block ice cream, offer even the mothers, did they want anything and stuff, and things like that. Well, at that point, where they see this young man who doesn't look threatening, he's like I said, he's nice, he's clean cut he um is spiritual, he would offer to take the kids down to wherever the closest park was and play baseball, things like that, so you know with the you know we don't have to worry about nobody's windows breaking and hitting the ball and things like that, and he would take the whole block
4: mm. well
5: after Wow! What he would do was he would start the child that he really had his eye on when he walked down that street. He would start befriending that mother more. So when he started to just take that child with him, it just looked like that he had a, a better rapport with that mom.
0: Hmm.
5: So that wow. was one. That was, that was one of the tactics that he used. Tactics that he used with me. I used to go to track practice with my my sister, she was like nine years old and she used to run track. So I would go, you know, back in the day when your when your sister went somewhere, your mom always sent a sister with you. So yes. I would run track practice with her all the time. And he would see me and then what he did was he started to follow us unknowingly. Of course, we're just children. We're not paying any attention to anything like that. And my mom also, the school that they had track practice at, she went to that school for night school because it was a high school that they had track practice at. Well, um, once we would walk her to the school and then we would go back home and lock the doors and didn't didn't answer the doors or anything like that until she came back and then we could come back go back outside and play. Well when he saw me with my mother, he pretended to go to that school and run into my mom. All the time and say nice things to her Oh you look pretty today You smell good How are you doing Things like that To after a while when she got used to seeing him so much And they would stop and have little conversations Here and there She started to feel like she kind of knew him a little bit So one day Just blatantly just followed her home And okay. she stopped. Yeah, she stopped And she started talking to him And she brought him home he was a nice little guy, and met the kids and everything. And I still remember the day that I met him when I was seven years old. That that was the day well, that my life what was memorable.
3: Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, what was so memorable about the day that you can remember? What do you recall most? What
5: was memorable about it is that I remember um, him coming into the house, and we were all watching because And when my mom would come in, we would all get up and give her a kiss. And she said, "I want you to meet my friend, and she introduced us. Well, she introduced me last because I was kind of like standing behind her because what I remember the most was the icky, eerie feeling that I had about him so mm. he bit So because I was standing, hiding like behind my mother he he bent down to talk to me, and he said he said to Oh, 'Oh, aren't you a cute little thing? How about you you would be my little girlfriend?" Now at that time, older people the little children like that. It's yeah, yeah, think it's cute, but with and my mom just laughed it off and continued to go hang up her coat. But she didn't mm-hmm. know that he meant literally. And yes, yeah. at seven years, he made me his girlfriend. I was to act and perform like I was his girlfriend. That means that when he came up, when he would come over like any girlfriend does, supposed to stop and acknowledge him and sit there and keep him company and things like that. And I wasn't going for that because I was a kid, I was seven, I wanted to continue to play with my friends. But this was the way that he expected for me to carry myself around him, and that's what happened throughout my whole life, was that he made me his girlfriend at seven years old, so he continued for 14 years to treat me as though I was his woman.
3: Mm.
0: Sure.
5: Wow! Yeah, that's yes. <laughs> that's I, I can't.
3: I'm just thinking about all of that. Good God!
5: Well, so, I can tell that both of you guys are just like sitting there with their mouth open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't.
3: You know, what's the question to follow
2: cues, up that way? You with. should
3: pick up <laughs> on something. You should pick it seems like somebody somewhere should pick up something that shouldn't progress. I mean, because it doesn't seem to me, I mean, I could see him being very charming, very cunning, and then you threw the Bible in there, I could see how people would just let that throw them completely mm-hmm. off. But it seems like right. somebody somewhere would pick up some inkling that something was, was was going on with this guy. But since he was so controlling and had, you know, dominated your life since the age of seven, how, how did you finally break free from it?
5: He went to jail thats is that that is also the craziest story also he went to jail for a friend of my mother's daughter she mm-hmm. my my mom's friend met him and he had a little- she had a little girl, and he would constantly ask to the little girl go with him Well, one day she told my mom, and this is what the craziest part about it is that my mother said to him. I'm sorry. Said to her, do not let him see her. Nowhere with him. Um, he's she's not allowed to be with him. What? He told. Yes, my mom told her friends that not to let her child go with him.
4: But you were sound- okay
5: to be with him. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, but the thing was is that he was very, very persistent. And like I said, he was the type that he could take the worst qualities and use it against you. And one thing about this girl was that she was very really young. She was very immature. Um, she was kind like of a little airheadish. I would hate to say that about anybody, but a little airheadish. And he constantly, constantly, constantly harassed her about it. It made her feel self-conscious about saying no. So what she did was, even though my mother had basically put her foot down about it and told her not to do it, she snuck and let her daughter go with him. Mm. This was the big mistake because he did molest her. She ended up taking her to the doctor. The doctor said that she had been molested, but this was one of his mm. mistakes that he made. One of his one of his rules. And I call it rules for himself His guidelines of how he went about Dominating over kids And getting to know their mother And things like that Was to make sure That they had no male role models In their life
0: mm-hmm. He underestimated
5: She married a man And he worked all the time He underestimated How much of a part She was of that little girl's life hmm and when but this was so all he, carefully thought out oh every every step, every out. step he was very, very cunning, very, very manipulative, he had his own strategy of how he got a hold to every child that he got a hold to, and that is the reason mm-hmm. why I wrote this book is because one thing that I know it's easy to get over some- something over somebody's head when you're not thinking that way, Well, mm-hmm. that's the that's In in your mind, is that this is what's going on? It's very hard for you to see it. And that was so because of that, he easily breathed into family, became a part of the family. Everyone called him, This is my little brother, this is my uncle. He became a part of your family over a period of time. This man was not in your life just for half a second. He was in your life for years where you trusted him. And Uh he did things for you to make you feel like that you could depend on him, that he had your back, whatever you needed, he got you. So you became very lax because now you're looking at him as a part of the family. Right. Oh, okay.
3: Now, uh I know there was an uh, incident when he evidently spent some time in jail and something occurred with your children that let you know that he was still trying to control the situation and you from jail. What happened?
5: Well, when um, one of the things that happened is, and this is the reason why I say that, uh, one, one, one thing that I wrote in my book towards the end in my epilogue was that I felt like I walked through a burning building that exploded. And even though I came out a little smoky and a little dirty and a little stinky, I was protected because at the time I had, my my two daughters were born, and the reason why I was with him at this time, I'm like 16, 17 years old, is because my mother was ashamed of the fact that I had had kids. So now I have no control over my life because she made me go with him, take my kids and go with him so no one would know that I had two kids, even my sisters. My, no no one in my family knew it or anything By the time my family found out that I had had two kids My oldest one was walking and the other one was sitting like in her little car seat
2: I don't mean to interrupt you But you said your mother made you take your kids and go live with him?
0: Yes And so you time- didn't live with your
2: mother? Pardon? You didn't live with your mother anymore?
5: Well, you know what, throughout my whole life, I lived on and off with my mother because it was nothing for him to come and take me, and I spent two and three years with him. My mother never called. She never checked on me. She never knew that I wanted to come home. He would go and visit her and spend hours with her and leave me at the house so I could not communicate with my mother. And Mm -hmm. she allowed it. She allowed it. But when he was, mm-hmm. he had his eye on another child and needed to go work this charm with this particular family, then he would um, bring me back home, and then I would be with her. Cause he decided that he was coming come and just pick me up again and keep me forever long he wanted to. But mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
5: um, mm-hmm. but to answer your question, um, wow. once I so once I had my daughters, he had full control of me um, because at that time with me being so young and him purposely dominating over my life, I didn't know very much. He made sure that mm-hmm. I didn't know very much. He made sure that I didn't know that I could go to my counselor at school and talk to her about it or go to my principal or to a pastor or anything, because at that time, mm-hmm. when they you know, you had the rule. What goes on in your household stays, on, stays in your household. Stays in right. your household, right. Right. And once you told your mother and your mom didn't do anything about it, you didn't know that you could go over her head and talk to other people. Right. right. I didn't know anything about right. my kids and going to a shelter or anything like that. So he had full control of me because of my ignorance. I was young and I didn't know. So what he did wow. was, my, well my my oldest daughter, she was two years old. He touched her, and my and my daughter told me one night when I was giving uh-huh. her a bath. This is the reason why I say that God just was watching over me. He put me in this situation to learn what I needed to learn. And being but always protected me at this point, the next day, I am just messed up in here, I'm frantic, my emotions is all over the place because now I am no longer a child, I am no longer a victim of his sexual abuse, now he is starting on my daughter, and I am in the position of a mother now, so me being young, not really knowing what to do. My thought was to go home and just kill him.
0: Oh. Well. Lack of,
5: of maturity and knowing how things go. I wasn't considering the fact that I could end up being the one that's dead, or I yeah. could go to jail. With that and who would He's have raised my daughter? Yeah,
0: exactly. I wasn't exactly.
5: Like that. I, I, I was not thinking mm-hmm. like that. I just figured that that was only that was only option: kill or be. So that's mm. what I went home to But, like I said, so got to certain high activities in my life that stopped me mm. from getting myself in trouble. And what happened was as fast as I walked in the door, somebody knocked on the door. It was some uh, some a father and an uncle of two girls that he had touched. When I walked in the door, as fast as I shut the door, they knocked on the door. And when he went to the door, they snatched him out, put him in the car, and drove him over to the street where he had befriended all these mothers. So, so I never had a chance to even find my weapon of choice or how I was going to do it or anything that happened just that fast when I walked in the door. Wow. So once he, once he went to jail, he thought that I was – so mixed up and so messed up And that he had so much control over me That I was going to do that prison sentence with him As in I was going to bring mm-hmm. the kids up to Visit him every week I was going to put money in his commissary. I was going mm-hmm. to do things like that But Now one thing about it is I might not knew very much But I always mm-hmm. had common sense And what I didn't know Or the things that I didn't know how to do? I found out how to do it. When when I say that, I mean like I didn't even know anything about filling out um, a job application, um, what a resume was, or anything like that. But I I, mm. I figured it out. And what okay. he was yeah. going to do was just me slow and dumb, and have me do that time with him, and bring the kids up there to see him, and keep him company, and put money in his commissary, and then possibly when he got out. Come back to whatever, wherever I was. That was no. Mm-hmm. Awesome. one thing about it is when I got that, when when I when he finally got somewhere where I knew he could not get a hold of me. I hate to say this because it sounds ghetto, but it was on and popping. <laughs> 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 was, I was about to figure. I was going to figure out what I needed to do, and and the way I did that was I just kept asking questions. And I asked and I asked and I asked And I just kept talking to people And talking to people And they would direct me on what to do Until it started making sense to me Mm -hmm. One thing that I could That I definitely knew was that I had to have a job Because one thing that my mother did Instill in me and something that I watched her do our whole life Was work That was one thing about my mother My mother always worked So I knew that I had to get a job Okay right. So was the first thing that I did, <laughs> was I got a job. I moved back home with my mother. <clears throat> um, that We had to stay in the house because she didn't want anybody to know I had kids. But I did have a job. Mm. So okay. I, I, I did. I figured it out. <laughs> you did what you had to do. Yeah. I did what I had, did I what I, had I to do, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Because my, my, mom, my mom was upset that I love my kids. She was upset that I wanted mm. to keep my she always would say to me, I don't even know why you want those things. Mm. Mm. But I I love my kids because even though I know that, I mean, you have women out here that mistreat their kids or don't want their kids any longer just because they're not with the man that they chose. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. With me, at the time that even though I did not want to be a mother, even though I didn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to go out to college with my friends and do what you do when you were a teenager. But I ended right. up in a situation where now I got these two children. So what I did was basically just took them and just kind of like tried to figure out how to take care of me and give them the best life that I could. Uh-huh. And I want to ask you
2: as a mother, And taking into consideration this experience, the experience you had with your mother, what is your message to single women, especially as it pertains to their children and keeping them safe and out of the hands of sexual predators, both inside and outside of the home?
5: I would like to say this first. Most of the time, molestation is in-house. Right. It's someone close to you. I mean, we do hear about children just being molested outside of the home, teachers, men in bushes, things like that. But most commonly, it is done in-house. It's the person who you trust the most. My message mostly and through a child's eyes was to talk to the mothers so they could understand that they are the target. As Mm -hmm. a single mother, you're in a position where you have so many titles that a man could come into your life. He could be your boyfriend or, you know, your husband, or he could be, a we have so many fatherless daughters out here. It could have been an older man who kind of like established a rapport with the mother and kind of had that little father figure. It could be somebody right. who, fixed, uh, uh, someone that you established a rapport for because they do the maintenance on your car or does, do work in your home, um, things like that. There's so many titles that a man can come into your life. A man is not, regard. you have to think about it, if you are with a man, you guys live together or you're married or whatever the situation is, for one thing it is, a man is not going to hand his household over to another man. You're not going to just come over here, bounce up over here, and have my kids or anything like that. Even if you're doing some work around the home or you're doing mechanical work, what well, that man is going to talk to the man. He has nothing to say to that woman or those kids mm-hmm. because he's no longer the one who's paying for it. So with, mm-hmm. what he did was he made sure that there was no male role models around because one thing about it is men know men. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't establish a rapport with a man. <laughs> they they not they they're not gonna even think about having that kind of relationship with you. Not to the point where a man would come home and his daughter is with this grown man. No, it would never right. be like that. So that was that was one, that, that was one of the main main that was one of his main tactics was to make sure that a man did not that a woman did not have a man in her life. So one of the, the main purposes of me writing this book was to let mothers know that you are the target. You have to be smarter than that. And I want to explain one other thing to you also is that I am not trying to tell anybody what a sexual predator is, how to spot him out, how to know what a man is trying to do when he comes into your life. I think the reason why I wrote Through a Child's Eyes in the way that I wrote it is because I think that you need to have a conversation with your children. You need to have a, set, a certain structured way that your children are to behave when you have someone else in your life. And you, and one of the biggest things that I always point out in my book is that you have to have a rapport with your children. A man has to come in and see that you have uh, open communication With your child Mm -hmm. Because what that does is that That's a level of protection Because this man needs to see That you have a relationship with your child That anything that that child says You are going to listen And you are going to investigate thoroughly But if you have a mother Who's so caught up In having this man in her life And you know Met him online Had a date with him on Friday He even came over on Saturday Moved him in on Monday Mm-hmm. if this man already knows, then she doesn't care anything about her kids or she's more, her, her whole point is more to have a man in her life to, than to mm-hmm. take care of her children. Men can spot that off very, very easily. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at that point, he started controlling her, he started controlling the household, and he has total access to these children. mhm. And women need to realize that that is, in nowadays, with it being so many children being born out of wedlock, and most of the time the man in their life is not their father, a woman has to have some level of separatism when it comes to, I don't care if she marries this man. It still has to be a level of her and her children and her and her husband, and then it comes together as a whole as far as this man has proven to have to be a good structure or a, as a, a male role model in her life. And he has established a, a certain relationship with the kids on his own because he's interested in being a dad. You have to think right. about the fact most of these women out here, they make poor choices in men anyway. With so much already going on, the things that he's doing, and now you may, you have to realize that you're making a choice for a man to be in your kid's life. Now, how you go about doing that, I have no idea. <laughs> it's all about what looking for in a relationship. But they're already making the worst choices as far as a man for them. So,
0: mm-hmm.
5: I mean, I don't want to dump on single mothers. Right. What I will do is I want to just keep it real with them. Right. I want you to understand mm-hmm. that they need to regardless of this relationship, they still their children was there first. And one some of the rules that I I wrote in my book was no one should be allowed to discipline your child. The reason why I say that
0: is because in
5: my situation with him he purposely made my mom always feel like that I needed discipline because I was getting smart and, or, you know, just being disrespectful, which my mother didn't understand that. She just thought that I was just being insubordinate, and I wasn't. I was just really kind of like just seeing that she wasn't paying attention. I really just felt like I had to stand up for myself and fight for myself. So I I was in what someone would consider disrespectful. So when my mom would come in and I was in trouble and it was constant and more constant and more, more constant, she allowed him to start disciplining us. And, you know, back in those days, if, you're, if you got in trouble and somebody had disciplined you when, you, when your mom got home, you got a whooping from her, too. So now I'm about yeah. to get you. Mm-hmm. And she would say, so from now on, when he tells you to do something, you do it. And that is what my mom said. But she did not know that he was going to take her words and use them against her. She did not know that. Now, when him, when him kissing and touching and, and filling on me, he was gonna say, "Your mom said do what I say, and if you don't, I'm mm. gonna whip you." So he used my mother's words against her. Mm. So every so every time when I wrote, every time when I, I put my first five chapters into a child's eyes, is about uh, is, is my structure rules and guidelines. And every time when I wrote a rule. I started my story. I would write the rule, and then I would show you in my story where it was broken and then show you what happened to me because the rule was broken. So basically what I am trying to do is bring awareness to women the things that they should not do when they bring anyone into their life. Now, I do want to point this out. I didn't really keep on it in my book um, because it wasn't my experience. But, I do want to bring mm-hmm. to people the sense of that nowadays you have to watch everyone because women are sexual predators also true, true. I didn't think of that because it's not my experience, but I do do my research. I'm always online because that's the kind of things like I do try to keep up with, but women are sexual predators also mhm, that's a good point. You need to watch everybody you need to watch everybody i don't I don't. I do not care who it is, you just need to watch everybody and it's not I guess I shouldn't say watch like I said, you just should have a structured way that you handle your kids when someone else is in your life, and make sure that you keep that open communication with your your child because one of the problems that I had was when I would try to tell my mom what happened, he would overtalk me, he would get loud. He would act like the victim. He would act like someone lied on him, and I love these kids, and I would do anything for you and these kids, and she's lying on me. I would never mm-hmm. get out what I had to say because he would over always over-talk me. So that was one of the rules that I wrote in my book is that if there's ever a time where something is questionable, you take that child from around that person, someone mm-hmm. set, let your child calmly explain to you, what happened? And then you, as an adult, couldn't figure out the rest of it. But, that that. was that, like I said, that was one of the things that I, I never got to tell my mother anything. Wow.
2: Um,
3: now, I want so to know, it's Phyllis, that, yeah, your whole platform, your whole platform, know, as it relates to child abuse prevention and healing. You know, you've done multiple books, screenplays. Tell us all the things that you've done um with basically your testimony and to help other people. And also uh, how can our listeners connect with you?
5: Okay, um my I, I am on all social media, Instagram, um Facebook, Google Plus, uh Twitter. Um But I do have a a website, Through a Child's Eyes, eyes, Mm -hmm. com. But I I think that my biggest platform has been mainly to protect our children, regardless of what type of activities that a mother has going on in her life. I Mm -hmm. think that mainly if – I'm not saying that – everything I mean it's not one formula for anything. But I think that if a person basically if a mother basically stick to the guidelines because one of the main one of my main rules is allowing too much access to your children. So you have to be very, very careful with that. Is allowing someone to have a relationship with your child that you're not privy to. A child should not have a relationship with a grown person without a mother knowing completely what is being said and what is being done. That person could be feeding your child any kind of thing. So basically mm-hmm. what I've done so far is that usually anybody who is willing to give me a form as far as a radio show, I thank you guys very much. <laughs> is um, mm-hmm.
0: Thank
5: you. Right. I have done radio shows. I've done newspaper articles, magazines. I have also, um, I run a protect me program, I mean, I'm sorry, um, a protect me campaign every in April for Child Sexual Awareness Month uh, where we did a photogenic campaign with the children with, with blankets wrapped around them that said protect me. Um, and not only that, mm. I do have a visual synopsis of Through a Child's Eyes on YouTube of 15 minutes um, short film, and it's basically um, telling the story of how he came into my life. Awesome. Wow.
2: So we're going to awesome. have that your information, the website, definitely posted yeah. um, on our page so that people can get all that information. Um, they'll be able to read your different books and follow your campaign. Um, This is definitely something that people need to be aware of. And like you said, Mm -hmm. it would be a talking point to sit down and talk to your children. Um, Mm You definitely
5: Mm -hmm. want to prevent this. Definitely. Because I I have to honestly admit that I did not know to tell. Right. I have to honestly admit that, that I did not even know to tell that he he touched me a certain way. If you it's a little, with all, all the social media and the internet and everything, it is starting to make make it a little bit harder as far as what children know nowadays. But I right. do I think that children lie about this situation. And, and, and you know, they always are being accused of lying. I don't mm-hmm. think that children, the only way I think a child lies about it is that they're being coached an adult,
0: and usually right. to
5: kind of see through that because I don't know if anyone anyone has ever tried to get their child to, even in a playful way, um, say something that really they can't remember. I mean, it's kind of hard to make up a lie about something that you have you're not privy to the information, right. So the only way that they would even know that to say, oh, he put this here, he put this there, and whatever, is that they're being coached by an adult. But just regularly a child coming to you, talking to you about something that's uncomfortable for him or something that somebody is doing something, I would say that a child doesn't lie. But one thing about it is a lot of times children are ostracized, and they're being mistreated by the family because they told on their uncle or whatever, and then they will come back and say they lied. Mm-hmm. Right. Just to keep keep in the family, but actually they didn't. And then that makes everyone say, oh, yes, um, I told you she was lying, but it wasn't that. It's just that she's being treated so poorly and so badly that she just mm-hmm. decides just to go along with everyone what everyone else is saying about her. So just to keep the peace. And, you know, that's another
2: interesting perspective um, mm-hmm. and a great thought to leave us with. So, again, you yeah, can feel okay. we, we can't say enough how much we thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. And we, we fully support everything that you're doing, and we will have this yeah. information up and available to our listeners yeah. so they can read more know. about yeah. the story and what to look um, out for. Thank mm-hmm. you very so much. Mm-hmm. So thank you. you
3: have a, and you have a thank good Thank you for evening. sharing the
5: story. Yes, have yes. a good evening. Okay, can I say one thing to yes. anyone who's going, who has been through yes. something like this? The, the last thing I would like to say to anyone who has been through this type of traumatic experience is do not question yourself today to death or think anything is wrong with you or it was something wrong with you the reason why you got touched. It's very, very simple. I would tell any victim is very simple is very simple about why this happened to you. It happened to you because of who he was and that you were unprotected. That's mm. it. Nothing personal.
2: That's a good point. And I hope that, that they help
5: a person kind of cleanse themselves and stop the shame and the blame.
0: Yeah. Right.
5: Again, we thank you, Phyllis. We, we really thank you. And <laughs> thank and, you for oh, having me on the show. Oh, yes. And
2: you You're have welcome. a good
5: night. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
3: You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Good night. Wow. So Will, we're going wow. we're, we're to take a quick Commercial break. Um, yeah, and then we would come back. You know, you, you sat down. You had a wonderful interview this this past week um, with Daphne Young from Child Help, which which is a nonprofit right. group that advocates for abused and neglected children to give them, you know, give us some tools, researches, and things that we can do right now to protect our children. After hearing her story, I'm just like dazed. I mean, you want
2: to do something behind the
3: information that she gives. Yeah, exactly. Um so we're just going to take a very quick commercial break to just get my mind right. Um but you're yeah. listening to Let's Face It and we will be right back.
2: It's another beautiful Sunday, and if you're listening to this, you must be listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. This is your host, Alicia Brown, and on behalf of our wonderful team, I would like to thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen, thank you for your feedback on our social media pages, and thank you for your continued support. We are so excited about what waits in store in Season 2, which premieres August 2015. We cannot do it without your continued support. So if you have a brand, a vision, a business, we're inviting you to grow with us. Contact me at alicia at letsfaceitradio.com. That's alicia, A-L-E-S-H-A at letsfaceitradio.com We have customized packages just for you and I would love to share more information with you about that Until then continue to listen to us on the go at iTunes Tuned In, Stitcher or you can also listen to these and past episodes at letsfaceitradio.com Again, continue to tune in And just wait for what we have in store for Season 2.
0: Welcome back.
2: Welcome back to Let's Face It. Although I have the pleasure of introducing her as our expert guest, the topic of discussion is not pleasurable. Daphne Young is the Vice President of Communications and Prevention Education for Child Help, a nonprofit group that advocates for abuse and neglected children. How are you this evening, Ms. Young?
1: I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. and. You are right, this is not a pleasurable topic, but it is a pleasure to be here and it is a pleasure to hear that you are getting people to face it.
2: Thank you. And you know, one of the things, one of the reasons our show really wanted to discuss this this evening, we noticed in the past couple of weeks in our area, there were just so many, not only cases of abuse that were reported on the news, but just heinous acts against children. Um, I remember one case where the child, um, apparently the mother was gone. She had left the child with her boyfriend, a toddler, as a matter of fact. The child was crying for its mother, wouldn't stop crying. He got upset, threw the child against the wall, and when she continued to cry, he stomped her to death. And, you know, we live in a time, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's violence, whatever it is, it just seems like there's a total disregard for children, Um, There was another case about a a mother who was just arrested. The remains of her son was found in her car, and this child had not been seen or heard from for 11 years. So it just seems like it's an open uh, open field day on our children and child abuse and something we, we have to look as a society for what we need to do to try to prevent acts like this from happening. But you know, after I agree completely, this- and you hear
1: these terrible stories, and d- just what you describe, it's unfathomable. And yet, exactly. you know, there are people in these circles, orbiting these families, orbiting these people, who uh, walk by every day, who see something wrong,
2: who mm. maybe
1: got a little twinge in their gut, but didn't take action. And so, there's the monsters that do these things,
0: yes. and then.
1: What's worse for me is that there are hundreds of people throughout a child's life that walked by.
2: Yes, and you know our guest tonight. That that's one of the things that, as horrific as her story is, I mean all of it from beginning to end. That's one of the things I I just couldn't understand. This one predator, who in the whole neighborhood and God knows you know what his other span was over the years of abusing children, but in a whole neighborhood you're just molesting families of children. And, and, you know, it has to be something, even if the fathers were not present in the home, I just find it hard to believe that there wasn't one parent, there wasn't one authority figure, there wasn't one person in the child's school that just noticed something is really off about this child, something's wrong. Um, Right. And, you know, it just seems like, I, I just think about when I was growing up, you know, you knew of those cases where something seems to be wrong or, you know, maybe that one uncle or or whoever in this person's family, there's a little something going on. But there's so many acts now in the news, it's it's worse than that. Um, What are the statistics as far as, you know, child abuse and the victims and things of that nature when it comes to this?
1: Well, you have a report of child abuse being made every 10 seconds. You have, to the examples that you've shared tonight, you have five children that die each day as a result of child Mm. abuse. And and here at Child Help, we've been saying, you know, that's five too many. We shouldn't lose one child. We shouldn't have one child suffer from physical, emotional, sexual abuse, neglect. And yet we have these reports constantly in the news. One of our hopes is that through prevention education, more people are coming forward and there's more disclosure. But I think that whenever we look at the numbers, I always believe there's just so many more that we don't know about. And, Mm. uh, you know, you're talking about a case about young people um, earlier in the show and approximately one out of five children who will be sexually abused almost a quarter of them suffer at the hands of another minor. And so we see a lot of that in the news. And a recent DOJ study showed that 80 to 90 percent of young teen offenders are not arrested. And the families try to handle the situations themselves, or it's overlooked, or it's covered up. And you mentioned it in many communities, hey, that one uncle, that one cousin, that one brother, uh, that one sister. And it's just kind of washed over. And and what that does is that stops the system from being able to come in and solve the problem And perpetuates it so that now you have an adult predator eventually who does just what you described and preys upon a neighborhood, a town, a community, often moves. Um, I was involved in a case recently where we were trying to crack the aliases of an individual who was moving to Hawaii, to Arizona, all across the country, changing names, uh, not registering as a sex offender, and continuing to harm countless children.
2: Wow. Wow let's say i didn't I didn't think about it from that perspective I mean that that definitely is something wow, and that makes it even more difficult to capture that type of a predator, but you know right. you said something and and you said something about um a a quarter I believe were abused by other children, and I remember when right. I first came across your name, it was with comments that you were making on the Duggar, the Josh Duggar child abuse case. And I wanted to ask you about that because one of the comments you made was, and I quote, when people are faced with sexual abuse within the family, they tend to deal with it privately and minimize the offense. And I remember there were so many points of that case from what was shared in the media that just it left you speechless. Um, because, you know, I, I saw the, the parents saying that, you know, they, they implemented safeguards to protect their daughters. And then, you know, as as further information came forth, it, it said that after the safeguards, you know, before he had molested two of his sisters, after the safeguards he went on to molest two additional uh, younger siblings, um, as well as their babysitters. So you're talking about five people that were molested by this one person. At least two or three of those could have been prevented you know, if if maybe some other action was taken instead of those safeguards. As an expert, how would you say that particular case, you know, that particular situation should have been handled?
1: Well, I think it's, and and we we don't often speak to a particular case just because it's representative of so many cases. We see versions of this all the time, and we see it in well-meaning families, we see it in dysfunctional families, we see it in uh, families that uh, have the best possible intentions and those that don't, Uh,
4: Mm -hmm. and one of the
1: things that I've been asking people to do is imagine yourself as a parent, and you come across a situation like this, and you love all of your children, and you want your family unified, you love that family unit, and you've been doing your very best job to give everybody a great example, um, you know, a wholesome lifestyle, all, all, the, all the things that we try to do in, in our families. And something like this happens. Mm-hmm. And there is an impulse to do what we do with disciplinary matters, where we, we handle it within the family. And one of the things that I've been trying to press upon people is when we reveal We heal. So when we tell the truth and speak the truth, that's the first step to getting help. It's the first step to healing. It's the first step to honoring everybody's experience that's involved and moving towards uh, the best possible outcome. So in a case where um, parents find out something and they they try to cover it up or they try to – deal with it a little bit too much in-house, what they do is they lose sight of the long-term effects. And so um, when you get an expert involved, when you call a hotline, when you get uh, somebody who knows how to handle these issues, they will triage the situation. They will often remove uh, the offending child or adult from the home. They will institute a safety plan for reunification, or they will prioritize the healing of the victims and perhaps uh, find a safe place for the acting out child to um, enter recovery. And so we just ask that parents and families, don't try to take the law into your own hands. Don't try Mm -hmm. to become amateur armchair psychologists. Get someone involved that knows what they're doing so that they can be an advocate to you because they're going to help each child. They're going to help the families. I understand the fear, and I get it. I think people think, well, uh, we're going to call someone in. They're going to tear the family apart. The right. child's going to go to jail. You know, They, they see this entire nightmare unfold when, in fact, uh, authorities want a reunified family when it's safe and healthy. They want people to get the right treatment and there will be follow-up and that's good for everybody. It kind of puts a safeguard in place that takes the pressure off of the parents, that takes the pressure off of the victims to to handle their feelings uh, on their own or through a uh, family dynamic. And it gives everybody an advocate in that situation. And I think that's the healthiest place to start.
2: And let me dig, let me just delve into that a little bit more.
1: Yeah.
2: Just using a scenario, you have five children, or, or how many children? Right. You find out that one child has inappropriately right. touched the other. You know, of course, as a parent, you're going to want to sit down and talk to that child. You're going to want to understand the situation. After that, what's the first thing you should do? Who do you call? Where do you go? you say... Go?
1: We have uh, the Child Health National Child Abuse Hotline. It's 1 800 for a child. And it's for survivors, it's for a child in immediate crisis, it's for parents that are thinking of offending or hurting a child and need resources mm-hmm. right away, and it's also for a parent in this kind of situation. So okay. They're trying to muddle through this and and figure it out themselves. They're probably absolutely frantic. Uh, They have some children that are hurt and and may have lasting repercussions. They have one child that they also love who has done the hurting. And so we have 24-7 professional crisis counselors at the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline and They serve the United States, all of its territories, Canada, Guam. Uh, They can translate in 170 languages, so no matter what language your story is in, there's a way to translate it so that you can get services and resources. And it's anonymous, so the parent can start off with that fact-finding moment to figure out what to do next. And what will happen is you have a professional-trained crisis intervention counselor, and this individual can review the story, understand what's at play and be able to direct individuals to the resources in their areas. You know, there may be some cases where it's a federal crime. There may be cases where it's a state crime. There may be cases that don't qualify as child abuse, but um, still require some form of follow-up resource. And mm-hmm. so somebody who's professional can make those determinations and then give the families to that next step, whether it be a CPS, whether it be calling the police. Um, they can Help an individual who's who's at that crossroads make those decisions.
2: So I want to stress too. You said that was an anonymous service, right? So they are able to call that allows, in, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and that allows them to call in. Say you know uh, I I'm having this situation. I just heard from one of my children that um, a visiting cousin acted out upon them in this way, and Mm -hmm. um, the cousin wasn't sure what they were doing was wrong because someone did it to them, and now I'm sitting here with two potential victims, but I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to start helping the children. I want to grab my child. I want to shake the cousin, and I'm just in this complete state of not knowing where to turn. And the crisis counselor can say, okay, first things first, and and whatever determinations they make, you know, let's go into the other room, let's sit down, let's have a quiet Mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, You know, uh, if you give me a general region, I can start to put you in contact and even make those contacts for you. um, That Uh. will help you get to step two, and then you'll make that contact, and then those people will take you to step three, all with uh, processes in place, to heal the family and heal, um, you know, if it's an offending child that that is kind of unaware of what they're doing. But essentially at the very end, and the most important, is to advocate for those victims, make them feel seen and heard, and make the victims understand that uh, they're not going to be hurt anymore and they are safe. Right.
2: And I'm so glad you, first of all, that's a wonderful resource. Um, all the things you yeah. listed, when they call that number, that they can get help with. It doesn't matter what the language is. It doesn't matter the hour. You know, you can call and then have it anonymous. So, you know, I'm sort of timid about what to do. I can call in with the expert. Um, that's amazing, right there. But what do you say it will to the stop person, a parent, that...
1: from being terrified? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it'll stop that parent from being terrified of uh, making that call because of, well, they're going to trace the call, and then the police are going to come, and then they're going to split us up, and then my children that I love are going to be harmed, and and maybe I overreacted, and and so this individual will just say, you know, Tell me about the time. What time of day it was? What what did the child say exactly? What were the circumstances? Uh, Where is the child now? Would probably be the first question. Is Everybody safe right in this second, and and then the advocacy begins. And it should be a very controlled and reasonable process and linear and, and so that so that nobody feels like the chaos is continuing. And that's what you want because
2: it's mm-hmm. so chaotic
1: for parents to go through this.
2: Absolutely and you really don't know what to do. But what about the person that says, what if I'm wrong? You know, uh we see, you know, or in 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 one of the cases we mentioned earlier, well, you know, it was just inappropriate touching. We you know, we don't want to blow this out of proportion. You know, the person said they never do it again. We can handle this. But you know, you have so many other people as well, you know, maybe it's not the sibling, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coach. And, and someone said something, I, I don't want to be wrong. Or maybe I just feel something might be wrong. I have no proof, no evidence, nobody said anything. But, I, you know, I look at the child or, you know, I, I feel like something's not right here, but I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to ruin the person's career. You know, I don't want to cost them their job. What if I'm wrong?
1: Right. Right. And I always say, if you're wrong, then that teacher, that coach, that guy down the street had one bad day talking to a police officer, and he felt uncomfortable or she felt upset, and Mm -hmm. they did the due diligence and investigation, and they found out everything was okay, and the only thing you were wrong about was that you let your heart be moved by a child and made a call, and it was a mistake, and I can't see anything wrong about that. The other option, of course, is... That one doesn't make the call because they don't want to be, you know, rocking the boat or causing undue upset in the neighborhood or that's my kid's little league team. I don't want to be a whistleblower. And that same individual hurts child after child, year after year. One thing we've seen with sexual predators is it's not a one-time shot. These are repeat offenders and very hard to rehabilitate when they are repeat offenders and have done Mm -hmm. this for years and years. So, any misuse of a child for sexual pleasure or gratification um, is child sexual abuse it, it It is the involvement of children in sexual activities that they don 't comprehend and that violate social taboos and laws and This is eight percent of all child abuse cases so it's substantial yeah. it 's out there and i'm so glad you brought up the coach because these are these are the people in the community that do things to get near children. It's the yeah. the nice guy in the neighborhood who's just like, I'm your kid's buddy, come over after right. school. It's that awesome coach that says, hey, I want to give him a little extra attention on the weekends and, and you know, throw the ball around. And right. these are the people, um, you know, 90% of all these people are phenomenal and wonderful and good people in the community, and there are those folks that do this just to get near children. And one of the key things if I can impress nothing further on all people listening, is that when we turn away from it, when Mm -hmm. we look the other way, um, this level of apathy allows these predators to just work the neighborhood, work the playing field, work the schools completely uh, under the radar. And one of our big challenges at Child Help is trying to get everybody on board with the idea of prevention education. We have these programs, Child Help Speak Up, Be Safe, and per your discussion of the coach, Child Help Speak Up, Be Safe for Athletes.
3: And yeah. these are
1: programs that... Uh, They teach children how to recognize the signs and symptoms of abuse, know when someone's Mm -hmm. grooming them. Uh, The adults in the community will have the skills to play a significant role in preventing and interrupting physical, emotional, sexual abuse and neglect. And when you get programs like this in the community, you're Mm -hmm. not only just giving the kids tools to be safe and the adults tools, but you're also sending a message to predators, your act doesn't play here your games right. don't work here your silence your sneakiness and your grooming everybody's aware everybody's on to you and i think we're so afraid to talk to kids about issues that touch on sexuality that we don't realize how innocuous this stuff can be i mean our program is uh the most uh the highest level of that kind of talk we discuss is nobody should touch you in the places mm-hmm. where your bathing suit covers it's my body okay. And when you teach children things about personal safety, what's mm-hmm. good touch, what's bad touch, uh, how to speak up and be safe, uh, you're just empowering them. This is not a sex talk. This is an empowerment talk. And so we are really adamant about prevention education because that's your first safeguard. And then when something happens, then you have something like the Child Health National child, child Abuse Hotline where you have one 800 mm-hmm. for a child and now that they've seen what it looks like, even the little child will know, oh, that person started telling me I need to keep a secret with our little game and they showed me uh, bad pictures and I'm going to call 1-800-48-CHILD and someone's going to help me uh, or I know to tell a safe adult because that's what the program Child Up Be Safe told me to do. And so when you have safeguards in place, that's our ideal now when you're talking about you know in a community where maybe those their safeguards haven't come yet
0: and people
1: are kind of unaware and they don't have a sense of it then step two is um this is a real old-fashioned concept trust your gut because we all have Mm. this we all have this innate intuition this gut feeling and i can't tell you how many times i have seen news footage after a child's death that turns my stomach, because people are saying, you know, I, I knew something was wrong with that family, or well, right. oh, that little girl was always out in the cold, and, and you know, or I-, I saw bruises on that child, I just had no idea, and I think here are well-meaning, nice, lovely community members, Uh know, yeah, they go to church on Sunday, they do all the right things, mm-hmm. and they walked by. They just walked by, and they, they got that gut feeling. And whatever your positions are, whether you call it intuition, whether you call it God tapping you on the shoulder, whether you call mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, an educated guess, whatever your internal making is, that little feeling is, is so powerful because it can lead us to an action, and that's what we ask people to do. You get the gut feeling, step one, you take the action, step two, and like I said, you either give someone a bad day because you had the wrong feeling or
2: Mm -hmm. you save
1: a child's life because you had the right feeling.
2: That's a good way to look at it. I want to go back to something you said um, because I just loved what you were talking about with the program um, to actually, you know, where you tell them no one touches you on the parts that are covered by your swimsuit. Some of the programs you mentioned that Child Help has, How does a person bring that to their community, and what age should we start these discussions and these programs?
1: We go K through 12 because there's no child too young, uh, mm-hmm. To get this information, and let 's also include children of varying degrees um, developmentally, so disabled children are often yes. at risk because um, you know they're they 're vulnerable and and maybe they can 't coherently explain all the time what 's happening to them so it 's in multiple communities and it 's at multiple ages uh, i 'll give you a little anecdote. one of my big challenges has been I was talking to. A sports team about child help speak up be safe for athletes, and I said, This will be great. Your kids will start the sports season safe and mm-hmm. and I just couldn 't get their buy in they said well that 's kind of depressing i said no 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 you're you 're going to teach kids it 's fun because the right. program is not depressing we We have a little workout they learn uh, what 's called the rules of the game. they do a little workout cheer, and we embed um, Physical motion and energized ideas into them before they go run or play their sports. And they have all these concepts at their fingertips. It's rhymes, it's running, and it's playing, but it's teaching them the essentials. Uh, one of the essentials being, as I mentioned, it's my body. And we teach them a little cheer where we say, you know, a high five is A-OK. Bad touch makes me run away. High five means I'm doing well, but bad touch makes me run and tell. And then we teach them no bullying and then we teach them to tell a safe adult. And then they learn that they have choices, that when somebody approaches them, they can run, they can escape, they can use their voice, they can stay away. We teach them finally that if something does happen, it's never my fault. So when Mm. children get these ideas and concepts, it's simple, it's fast, it's done with examples and and kind of an easy, breezy way of getting these ideas in their minds without feeling like the whole world is filled with darkness and predators, but just kind of a way of having them feel like, hey, if somebody ever did bug me, I've got some tools, and right. I love that idea because then you have a child that's activated, the parents know what's going on, the community members. And as I mentioned, uh, if you've got a couple of predators lurking around, they think, well, this isn't a really great town to work. You know, I, I better go move someplace else, and they do. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, if you empower a child with these rules and regulations, if you give them the sense that their body is, is sacred to them, that's step number one and, and but I I took this to to a sports team and somebody said well and you know for all of us that work in this field and hear these stories every day I mean we can't believe these attitudes are still out there but they said well that's a wonderful program and we understand and we see that you know in some of the bad neighborhoods that, that's probably good but we have a very our team is in a very affluent area <laughs> and wow. uh, so excuse me And, uh, oh, we just, we have a, it's very affluent and it's a nice team. And I said, you need to come down to the Child Help Children's Center where you're going to see kids in rags and you're going to see kids that look like they walked out of Gap Kids ads in in the most expensive and perfectly matched outfits and to assume that you know what a victim is going to look like, that you know what a predator is going to look like. And I said, look to your left and look to your right because that's what predators look like. They're well-dressed. They're well-spoken. They're charming. Uh, yes. You don't get to the life of a child. You don't get access to children by just being a creep in a trench coat.
2: Exactly. They come in all walks of life, and they're very good exactly. in transforming themselves to that environment for that particular child, as we heard earlier tonight. But, okay, you know, before exactly. we let you go, we, we, we again, we thank you for coming on the show We thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for such an important topic. How can the listeners follow you, um, you know, some of the things, and and please don't feel like you're – Just saying the same thing over again, but we definitely want to give them those phone numbers, those websites, some of the programs you mentioned, as much information as possible. So anyone that's heard this program tonight, maybe there are some victims that this really struck a chord with and took them to an unhappy place, and they just feel like right now they need some help.
1: Absolutely. For those people that were triggered tonight, uh, we've got our hotline counselors waiting for you right now. If you're triggered in a few hours from now, they're up all night and they're waiting for you. The number is one 800 for a child That takes you to the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline. And, again, those are master's degree counselors. They're not volunteers. 1-800-4-A-CHILD. And if you're a child in crisis listening and you are in trouble right now, They're going to help you get out of trouble. If you're an adult survivor and you're in stress, they will talk you through that and and help you get resources in the area. Um, If you are a survivor or someone that just cares deeply about this issue, uh, visit www.childhelp.org. Learn about child help, speak up, be safe. And Child Help Speak Up, Be Safe for Athletes. We have a virtual platform. We have a representative at our offices. And if you just go to www.childhelp.org, you can learn about those programs and how you as a parent or as a community activist or as a young person who feels like every kid in your school and neighborhood deserves this can start to take action to get it into the schools, get it into the field. And if you run a sports team, you have coaches, whatnot, say, hey, I want our kids to learn this before they start their sports season. I want this to be the safest team on the block. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just promote prevention, um, get that hotline number out there. You know, if people are able to contribute uh, through either financial resources or time or energy or just be able to, you know, today if, if you learn nothing else and you think the next time I get that little feeling, I'm making that call immediately. That's like all the treasure in the world for us because you probably saved a kid's life.
2: Yes, and you know what? The the things you mentioned as well for those that they they like you said they can go to the website. They want to advocate. Um, they want to bring the programs in. And and you know you said you have master's degrees um, people on the phone. It's not just volunteers. Right. What are the things right. your organization needs the most now? Is it volunteer um, or uh, not volunteer, advocates? Do you need funding more? Or what resources would you really need from the community that we can help out with? We've,
1: Yeah, we've got great resources and we've got great volunteers. Um, we can always use more. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to sponsor a school, if you say, uh, hey, I have a company, I just heard about these programs, or I, I've got a, a sports equipment store, and I just heard about this, Speak Up, Be Safe for Athletes, um, and I want to sponsor the school. I want to um, just take a school in my community that I have heard about abuse, I've read it in the newspaper, I'm sick and tired of this happening, my kid goes to that school, and I'll be darned if I make it a more affable place for a predator. Um, yes. Yeah they can contact us at Child Help, and, you know, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, see what we're up to, see the value of a donation and how far it goes when we get a school sponsored, when all those little kids walk away knowing more about child abuse. And, and I'll tell you that we get disclosures. So when those programs go into the schools,
0: mm-hmm.
1: invariably, after the first lesson, a little child comes forward after the class, Hey, can I talk to you? And and that's the beginning of their healing process because wow. no one ever told them it was wrong. Nobody ever told them they were being hurt, and it's the first time that day that that first grader learned that a game, quote unquote, that was being played with them by like you say an uncle, a brother, a friend, a cousin, that was wrong, and they deserve to be safe. And those bad feelings they have are understandable. And guess what? It's not your fault and let me give you a hug and let's go get something solved.
0: So yeah. just,
1: um, you know, call our offices and say, I, I I know a school down the street and I have a business and we'd like to sponsor Speak Up, Be Safe, Child Help Speak Up, Be Safe in in this region or in this school district. And if we could blanket the comp- country with, with prevention education, we could change this country. It is possible. We can't, we can't keep our kids in the dark. We can't keep turning away. As you mentioned, you went through hideous headlines, and it's like they just breeze by. So if your yes. kids can look at a newspaper and see trash like that every day on the newsstand, certainly they can have a little prevention program that gently explains to them that they're not trash, that they don't be, deserve to be treated that way, and that's powerful.
2: Yes. Well, again, Daphne, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing this information. Indeed, to reveal is to heal. And it's not about teaching our children about being victims. It's about empowering them. And when we think of the theme of tonight's show, Who Will Protect Our Children, we can now answer, We Will. So thank you We're thank you going so to much. put all of this information on our website. we're going to put on our our social media pages and we hope you'll come back to the show we We hope you'll come back Thank and you continue so to much I will
1: totally come back and thank you for giving uh people who have been through so much the survivors a real platform to share their story to share their experience and we're just cure to bolster them, and so I thank yes. you so much for putting a show like this together because the title says it all. Let's face it, and I think tonight we faced it.
2: Yes, we did, and we can do something about it. <laughs> so, also, We totally we, can. We thank you for your time, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. I'll be here. All right. Bye-bye. Wow, Will, such a great organization. It It was. Yes, it is. I mean, a great organization, yeah. giving us the tools of what we can do to make a difference. And, again, one 800 for the number 4, A Child. Um, and and mm-hmm. definitely can talk to those counselors. But before we close Season 1, or as we close Season 1, I should say, I just want to take the time out. To tell our listeners thank you Um, We are always grateful for your support Your feedback And just letting us serve as a voice for you Um, Know that everything that we do On the show, it's with you in mind It's to inspire, to motivate To encourage and keep you Informed as well as Transformed in times like these But I I can't let the season End without saying A special thank you um, of course, for someone that's near and dear to my heart And, of course, that would be you, Mr. Will Strayhorn <laughs> Oh,
3: my goodness Who, me? You, yes, <laughs> yeah. you Don't act like you shot <laughs>
4: I tease
2: you I pick on you I push you And, you know, as sometimes we, we just don't see eye to eye um, Typically in the wee hours of the night, early morning But that's okay mm. um, no. I'm always thankful that you are so gracious And you lovingly allowed me to share your stage. And I just wanted to fully express my appreciation. Everything that you do day in and day out, um, you know, there's nothing in it for you. You know, you have your accolades, your awards, um, your recognition. But, you know, the problem is oftentimes people who are successful, they never reach back and provide that opportunity to someone else that could really benefit from their experience and their knowledge. And, you know, you just it your your time, you're a great encourager, you're always a comforting voice, and, you know, you'll always say, we can do this, we'll find a way to make it happen. Um, you're always yeah. encouraging me, and I just learned, if Will Strayhorn says, we're going to get it done, or we're going to do something, it, it's just, it's good as done. So
3: you're giving me you chills. Know,
2: Stop. You're going to make me cry. Stop. I, I can't help it. I have to thank you. And, oh, you know, you gosh, still I managed to it. be really humble. I appreciate it. You're really humble. I appreciate you're, it. You're so giving. You're just so kind. So I wanted to say thank you. It's a pleasure to work beside you're you. You're
3: welcome. Um, well, even though you, you know, sometimes. the feeling is the same. The feeling <laughs> is the same. And the feeling <laughs> is the same. But, you know, we share that we both, you know have, we both, We both have prayed for these opportunities. I prayed for somebody to come along and share the passion and the vision for the show. He sent me ten times what I wanted, and you wanted the platform, and I didn't even know that. And you have blossomed. You know, I'm hearing people talk about Alicia from the Let's Face It radio show, and it makes me proud. Thank you. It makes me proud. But, you know, this season one, season one, season two is going to be even hotter. Make sure you pay attention each Sunday in July for um, some of our best shows, and we may even add a few extras in there. But um yes. that that first Sunday in August is gonna be fire, you don't want to miss it. And stay tuned for all of the upcoming flyers, okay? But you're listening yes. to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn.
2: And I'm Alicia Brown. <laughs> See,
3: that was a little better. That was a little better.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
3: leave me alone. We love you all. Good night.
2: Good
1: night. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends. We ask that you visit www.let'sfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting, interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, Real topics, real talk,
4: let's face it.
5: Backstage has everything to help you get a fresh start, including active gear from brands you love. Reebok, Fila, K-Swiss, and more. Hurry in
0: and find the best booties of the season, starting at 19 dollars And pamper yourself. Bring the spa
5: home with fragrant candles, aroma diffusers, even salt lamps, starting at just 5 dollars Best of all, look for incredible markdowns in every department, all month long. Macy's Backstage, off price, on trend, arriving daily. Find your store at Macy'sBackstage.com. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Help. My family's New Year's resolution is to be more active, but we could use some new styles for motivation. Run into Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now. All Old Navy active styles for the family are up to 50% off. Kick it into gear with leggings, mesh tees, and more. Up to 50% off? Ooh, I'm feeling motivated already. Tops started at to just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids, with compression leggings and active pants from $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Kids, get a move on. We're going to Old Navy. Hurry in for up to 50% off all Old Navy active right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com.
4: Valid 13 through 110. Excludes install clearance.